descends through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 fancast. It's day two, hour three, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, Michael Howard. Oh, you've you've reverted back to your <laughs> primary identity. <laughs> yeah, you know, I every once in a while I like to mix it up. Covers blown. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Well, guys, um, it's hour three. Uh, quick recap, we're coming off of hour two, uh, where... Is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. Before it, three? That's weird. It's Michael events occur in real time. Huh. Real time. Every, every episode is one hour in a very long day of Jack Bauer's life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Huh. It's pretty are you cool. Telling me that, are you telling me that Fox never became dicks and uh, decided to daylight savings time this bitch <laughs> on, on Jack? <laughs> like, no, we're going back an hour. You get an extra, extra, we need an extra episode, so... F you, man. No, it was twenty three. We just we didn't have enough for twenty four episodes. This happens. This happens on daylight savings. Sorry, guys. He got pretty aggressive in his contract renegotiations and demanded twenty three weeks this time. It's pretty messed up. Um, yeah. So a nuclear bomb is set to go off somewhere in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, George Mason, the acting head of CTU, has recently told his staff, who uh, most of them took it pretty well, like professionals. Uh, IT tech Paula Schaefer, not so much. Um, uh, Although she David didn't Palmer. peace out. She didn't peace out. She's she's sticking around, um, which perhaps turns out to be not the greatest decision <laughs> at the end of this yeah. episode. But yeah. um, so President David Palmer is kind of having a little bit of a face off with his uh, head of the NSA, Eric Rayburn. Uh, Rayburn basically believes that he should not be talking to the press and should instead be talking to his generals at the Pentagon so he can go to war immediately after this bomb goes off, which he's convinced it will. Um, Jack Bauer just went undercover with uh, a splinter group called, or part of it called Second Wave, uh, and we learned that they are about to bomb CTU to get them out of the way for the nuclear attack. Uh, Jack's daughter Kim and uh, her nine-year-old child, uh, or nine-year-old Ward, uh, were fleeing from uh, Megan's, or Megan, the child's father, and uh, Kim left her behind a cardboard box mm. fort and left her there, and then uh, she went missing. So, which is weird, you know, you don't expect when you just leave a nine-year-old behind a dumpster in some cardboard boxes that she'll be gone. Yeah, especially a concussed nine-year-old. Yeah, just you know. Every time I've fine. done that, I just expect the child to be that one yeah. I return. They and, think so clearly. Yeah, when they're concussed. Well, uh, as we learn, I think we've talked about this. Megan Matheson is essentially a mini Kim uh, in all ways, and we see that pretty starkly in this. Episode. Yeah, I actually forgot her name for a little bit, and so I just wrote Lil Kim. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. Makes sense. It works. It fits. Yeah. So we open up. It's 10 a.m. Kim has lost her concussed child, (laughs) and she's searching frantically for Megan, calling out her name as she runs through uh, the alleyways uh, in this L.A. uh, street. And uh, meanwhile, Gary Matheson, who Kim has previously crunched his head with a tire iron, he's getting checked out by paramedics and speaking to a police officer, telling him that Kim abducted Megan. And the entire time, Gary's just being a real dick to the paramedic. He's, like, helping him out. Yeah. Well, he's a, just an overall dick. We yeah. went over this. You know, yeah. Who's a, who's a good Gary, you know? I, hey, guys, yes. I don't like Gary. Can I say that? <laughs> no. Got, no. The guy's Gary's not garbage. Cool. Um, so we see George Mason driving clearly already outside the city. Um, well, I say, Kim, I say, sorry, sorry, sorry Coach, yeah, one thing. Go ahead. I got a guy to stop you. Gary says, and this this will piss you off even more uh, for what you do for a living, and uh, he says, Works for my wife and me. Oh. Kind of, kind of grammar asshole, are you, Gary? Gary, you, you know? piece of shit. But isn't that isn't anyway. that right? 
That actually works, yeah. Sorry. My wife and no, I. No, because you wouldn't say, no. oh, that works for I. You'd say it works yeah. for me. No, she works for my wife and I. She works for me and my wife. I, either way, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like the way it sounded coming out of his face. <laughs> I mean, he's got a bad <laughs> face. Everything he says is bad. Fuck Gary. That anyway, technically... go, back to, go back to Georgie Mason. <laughs> so Mason, G. Mason is driving outside the city, um, perhaps on his way to Bakersfield um, to follow up on a lead. And he gets a call from Tony Almeida at CTU about a tip from the LAPD that um, they found a vehicle linked to one of the suspects they flagged from second wave, the terrorist group. And uh, their boss from division, Steve Lawler, wants him to go follow up on it because he knows you're on your way to Bakersfield. Uh, so it's on your way. You might as well stop. And Tony like kind of digs the knife a little bit. just like, and I know you're going out there to check a lead. So it's on the way, George. Yeah, Maybe you you stop might as well just, just pop in. Just check this yeah. out. Check it out. On your way. Check it out. Yeah, take a little little detour. Whatever, George. I, I thought I thought Tony was fucking with him. <laughs> like I thought he made this up, and and it was gonna be like some kind of just bullshit warehouse that he locked him in and say you're gonna be the blast radius <laughs> asshole. But no, <laughs> uh, we find out a little later that's not the case. So no, I'm both. I'm a little disappointed in Tony that he didn't. You know that it was an actual thing. Yeah, but whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't think Tony is up for as much as he's all up in everybody's business. I don't think he's actively like gonna troll people. <laughs> Just for yes. kicks. I thought he was evolving as a character. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's fair. Season two. That's fair. I thought man. we were going to see a little more, a little more, you know, a darker side of Tony. Uh, that's just fun. Yeah. So. Well, maybe. Maybe. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so we cut back to the Northwest Regional Operations Complex where David Palmer's hold up. Uh, it's got to have a better name base. than that, right? Mm-hmm. Everything the president does is a sweet name. There's no way that that's what they call it. No. I mean, it could be like Enrock. Yeah. There you go. It, but- yeah. Rock. Rock. Um, so Lynn Kresge, the special assistant to the president, is briefing Palmer about the threat and tells him that they've ruled out everything but an actual nuclear bomb going off. And uh, she gives him an updated damage prediction. And uh, again, like David seems a little surprised by it because it's higher than it exp- like previously. And she's like, yeah, it's a nuke, man. It's going off. <laughs> I don't understand, though, because like how did their worst case assessment get higher? Like, right. The- they don't know anything else. Is there more people in LA now? Obviously, they use the raw statistical indicator. They didn't use the max for him. Mm, they used like the median. Yeah. So they were like, if it's a dirty bomb or just some kid who farted with nuclear material in his butt, <laughs> or a, or a full on neutron bomb, um, this is this is the median of those, not the mean because we're stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would, in, in my worst case scenario, I don't know if I'd like fudge the numbers. <laughs> I feel like I'd just be pretty upfront about it. Um, yeah, like, how did you just, I would be like, how did the fuck did it get higher? Well, because it's an actual A bomb. Well, I asked you assholes what would happen if an A bomb yeah. went off. <laughs> oh, well, hmm. well, we whiffed on that one, but we'll get it right next time. <laughs> um, so we cut back to Kim, who finally sees Megan uh, across the street, apparently about to be double abducted by some gangbangers. Um, and Kim runs through traffic, almost gets hit by multiple cars, and somehow scares them off. And Megan just says, I was looking for you, and I wandered off. <laughs> Oh God. And Kim Kim grabs the child and shakes her immediately. She shakes the concussed child a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's at first good. I was like, oh, God, she is the worst. And then I immediately amended that to second worst. She were the, she is the second worst. She learns by watching. Yeah. She she saw some shit. Um, but so who, were these, who were these, like, these dudes? Kid, these dudes they were like 14-year-olds. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I saw their complexion, Michael. You know, they're not sending us their best. Yeah. They're rapists. <laughs> 
They're murderers. See, I like to think molesters. that they just, I, you know, I'm just saying. they just found a random concussed nine-year-old girl and they're like, we should probably take her to get some help because some dumb motherfucker just left her here behind a dumpster. That would be case if they weren't taking her behind a fence they, across they the street. They were about from to lead her. her, yeah, like into yeah. like a weird padlocked ever, area. No, it's just where there's they a, keep really their bikes so they can drive her to the no, hospital. Man. Man. Where no. we keep our <laughs> white girls. <laughs> yeah. There's a real sad story out of England like a, a like a decade or two ago where, you know, you see this video of these two kids leading this little kid away and bad things occur. And that's what, what I had in my head when I saw these little assholes taking this poor little concussed dumb girl, you know, yeah, it, over there. And they just split as soon as, like, Kim starts yelling at them. Uh, so Kim, like, kind of hugs Megan, uh, comforts her, and we see the terror van driving through the hills. Uh, Jack Bowers in the van with Eddie Grant, uh, Chris, and some other terrorist named Scott uh, heading to CTU. Um, and Chris, played by uh, Jimmy Simpson from uh, Westworld, uh, he's in the back redoing all the fuses on the bombs that Dave fucked up. And Jack is just kind of, like, asking questions. And, like, I guess, like, I don't know why he wouldn't be allowed to ask questions about blowing up a government building. But, like, they're all, like, kind of annoyed that he's even talking. And it just says, you just need to do your job. I mean, yeah, you, you broke Dave's ankle. And you you kind of came over the head. Like, to be fair, I mean, I guess you did murder somebody technically. But I don't know not, you. Not just technically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Like... The guy who he's, he broke his ankles was the the guy who packed the fuses. He was their like explosives, their explosives dude. Was his job going to be to just sit in the van and not plant the actual explosives, or was that was like a game their, time decision? He was also their hacker, right? So he. It's weird that it means a dual threat, I guess. But it, but it just means his skills wouldn't have been used very well sitting in a van. Yeah. But to be fair, he was just putting in the fuses like the other guys were doing that too. So it's not you know. It's not like he's the, the bomb expert, so I don't think he mixed it and make, made, you know, made the fucking Semtex or whatever. I think he just he just was putting fuses in, man. Could be. So what happens next? <laughs> at the at the best possible time, because that's who she is, we get a phone call <laughs> to old Jackalberry mm-hmm. Who's from like, Keel. From Keel. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what, why does Jack have his personal phone on him? Like, why does... <laughs> yeah... It was a little weird, but then also, like, all the terrorists looked at Jack like he was suspicious for having a phone that was getting a call. Yeah. He's like, y'all, I didn't know I was going to be blowing a government building when I left the house today. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't tie up all my loose ends before I drove I'm not even here. wearing the right pants, to be honest with <laughs> yeah. you. These are, these are not my terrorism pants. No, these are my gardening <laughs> pants. You know, I was going to go home and I had some weeds to till. Whole day. It's gonna hit Home yeah. Depot, maybe if I had time, you know. It's gonna be a nice uh, little Saturday. Brought me in some terrorism. And I'm not even getting my standard rate of one thousand dollars per day, <laughs> Eddie. Thank you, asshole. Um so Kim is trying to explain to Jack that she is uh in danger and like won't really say anything, and Jack is just like, uh huh. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> just kind of like covering the, the, the conversation from his end, like not breaking uh character. And basically just tells her to go to her Aunt Carol's again for like the third time. Um, I every answer I heard from Jack, all I played in my head was him saying, "Damn it, Kim!" <laughs> like literally, like if you just go back and watch it, it's like he's just, she's just like, "Dad, I'm really in trouble." Damn it, Kim! <laughs> of course you are. You're always in trouble. Yeah, I told you to leave two hours ago. Goddamn, why can't you listen to me? Um, and like, so Kim just like seems to like just think that 
Jack is just behaving weirdly and not like even though he told her that he's working today again for the first time like you don't you think that Kim would understand that like if Jack just suddenly got called into work and actually did it after mourning his mom like uh, Terry for a year or 18 months like there's probably a good reason daddy went back to work it doesn't really do the math she doesn't she doesn't have a high high level of perception no is what I'm noticing mm-hmm not a lot of intuition on no, Kim Bauer. No. Um, so she doesn't really understand why Jack wants her to go to San Jose, which, to be fair, is a bit of a hike <laughs> from L.A. Um, but Jack asks her to just do as he says and hangs up on her. And the van stops, and the guys run up to a fence and cut some chains around what looks to be like a cell tower. And we cut to Kim now calling Tony Almeida at CTU, asking for an explanation about what Jack is doing and Tony explains to her that Jack is working and can't be reached. Um, she says that can't so Tony, be possible. I just talked to him two hours ago. It's like, yeah, things happen in two yeah. hours. The world spins right, You remember when he said he was at work and you needed to get the fuck out of L.A.? That whole thing? Yeah. Maybe maybe listen to dear old pops mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, so Kim kind of explains what's going on with her, sort of. And Tony says to help, but the call starts to break up because of some interference. Uh, which I assume is because of Eddie and crew. And uh, Tony tells Kim to... Where does, where does Tony tell Tim Kim to come to? Come on down to CTU. Mm. Cool. <laughs> We've got all the bombs. we got little bombs. we got big bombs. we got medium-sized bombs. It's going to be great, Kim. Bring your little friend. Yeah. Oh, you got, you got be small fun. people? Bring them on down. Great. <laughs> I don't think um, enough of Jack's family has died here yet. <laughs> going for the turkey really <laughs> well, all three of them so she hangs up and we learn that everyone at CTU uh, is experiencing interference on their phone lines because Michelle Dessler walks over to tell Tony that and so he tells Paula to call the phone company and switch priority calls to wireless protocol so please drink for a protocol, protocol. <laughs> and uh, we cut back to the phone tower where Eddie and crew are indeed causing interference so that the phone company will send some technicians to handle the problem and he tells Jack to go Go back to the road to keep an eye out. So we get a tiny clock. It is 10.08. And uh, Jack walks behind the van and just kind of hides and attempts to call CTU to warn well, him Let me just the slide right on behind this van. Yeah, yeah he could have just walked know. down the nope. road with the phone. Nope. Yeah. Like, they asked, like, you could have gotten farther away from them. I don't understand. It's going to hide behind this van. No one will ever know. I'm going to be um, the best lookout ever from three feet away. Yeah, no big deal. They'll never see me coming. Um, so he tries to call CTU to warn them, but he can't get through the interference uh, that they're creating on the line. So he then attempts to reach the president, just call the old press. Yeah, so I have a um, problem with this. Just one? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he couldn't get through to CTU, but like he was a lot of their bosses for a while. Mm-hmm. And he has none of their cell phone numbers. In his personal cell phone? Yeah, yeah. like Tony's, maybe, or George Mason's. His his order of operations was call CTU. That didn't work. Call the president of the United States. It's better take this all the way to the top. <laughs> well, he's a buddy. When you got when you got a powerful friend, just give him a little. Yeah, but he didn't. He <laughs> there's that's like three degrees of separation from the people who need the information that there's a bomb. I also like, like send a text has, message. Yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah, or Michael, email. Point. So. So he doesn't have anyone's cell phone number, but he has the phone number for the Northwest <laughs> Regional Operations Complex. Like he has that one memorized. Like he knew that one right at the top of his dome. And he he remembers his he remembers his access code to talk to the president off the top of his head. 
Which, yeah, also, he knows that, which is seems very simple. 7 one 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 seven eight. 7 8 Little simple. Um, it's also, like, I cannot believe that there's only one person manning the phones between the president. Like, it, you can't... I, it feels like there should be a deeper chain of command than... Oh, let me just call Stephanie over at the office and she'll connect me to the to the prez. That's a good um, question. Like, how do you get in contact with the president? I mean, you've got B-Rock's uh, Blackberry number, you can just call him <laughs> up. Yeah, you, tweet, you, you, you do a nasty tweet about him or his family, <laughs> he will talk respond about, to you. You talk about the, the ratings on the original <laughs> Apprentice and just picks right up. And you have his ear mm-hmm. friend. You slide in them DMs, my good man. <laughs> <laughs> Triggered much, my mm. good bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so, rather than connecting Jack directly with President Palmer, um, she instead redirects him to Lynn Kresge, who tells Jack that the president is speaking with the press corps, and he tells her that she needs to inform CTU that Joseph Wald's group is about to blow up CTU, but it is not a nuke. Cannot stress that enough. <laughs> not a nuke. Um, but evacuate CTU and alert a bomb squad that there will be three charges. Uh, so she kind of takes that in stride, and he hangs up just as Eddie and crew kind of walk back around the van. We get a tiny clock. It is now uh, 10.09, uh, and we see uh, David Palmer in the background. He's uh, giving a press conference and congratulating the governor of Oregon uh, about all of their efforts to protect Oregon's endangered species, which, man, just took a, took some trout home with him earlier. Mm. You know, Probably not endangered, but maybe respect the... Uh, <laughs> the process well, that's stage. what they're there for yeah to be caught yeah, the full <laughs> the purpose of the trout is to feed david palmer a trout's um, purpose <laughs> oh god no that Just trout don't. will be reborn again as a different type of trout Just don't. <laughs> god, why can't i think of his name the actor shit dennis dennis quaid no. yeah there you go was it dennis quaid yeah. Here's another. Oh yeah, guy. that's right. Just, yeah, just sure. ta- the trout just comes back to haunt them yeah. for years. <laughs> um, so Lynn Kresge wants to tell Palmer, but like um, Billy Big Mouth bats, but like <laughs> trout, just singing at him. Jesus Christ, please stop. Hey. Um, so Lynn tells Eric Graber, the head of the NSA, about the planned attack on CTU, and he immediately gets that. Oh, the terrorists want to cripple our investigation to divert attention away from the main attack. So what does he do next? He just uh, was like, yeah, we should just let this happen um, yeah. mm-hmm. because we don't want to blow Jack's cover. So we should just let everyone he's ever cared about blow up. Blow up. And Lynn, he asked if Jack was able to warn CTU and Lynn tells him, it's like, oh, he tried and failed because the phones are, are uh, being blocked. And so, yeah, Rayburn doesn't want to blow Jack's cover and Lynn, like, just like, but he specifically called me <laughs> to tell me to warn CTU. He's like, well, why isn't he stopping them himself? Because he knows to keep his cover. He needs to keep his cover intact. It's like, there are other ways to go about all this. Like, Yeah, I mean, there are presumably a spy organization that were, that deals with terrorist threats. Like, they could just say, like, we found the bombs because we have anti-bomb detection yeah. devices. The CIA has bomb-sniffing dogs. Exactly. I know this because I've read all the blog posts about those good girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, let's be honest here. I mean, yes, is Jack a badass correct, but there are four other dudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as you want him to go all James Bond on some bitches, maybe he'll get killed. They won't all go down pull like it off. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie at least has some kind of hero ranking, right? So he's going to be harder to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just go after yeah. that guy. Yeah. 
Definitely so. a, a harder CR for that encounter. Um, so Lynn tells Eric that this is the president's decision, and uh, Eric says, "Yeah, of course, but he needs to be in a position where he can hear it. He will, so you know emotionally stable enough to hear about blowing up CTU." Um, Eric tries to stop her, and Lynn just says, "I don't work for you." So she circumvents Eric and calls Jenny and tells Jenny that she needs to speak to the president immediately. Jenny is uh, Palmer's aide. Um, so uh, a phone company van pulls up to the phone routing station, and there's no way it got there in six minutes. Um, and two men walk out, uh, exit the van to find out what's going on, and uh, they notice the chain has been broken are, and are about to radio into uh, their dispatcher when Eddie's van pulls up, and Eddie jumps out and shoots one of the men, uh, who I believe is named Danny, and they kick his body into a ditch, and we learn that the other man is named Cam Strocker. Um, and Eddie wants asks Cam if he wants to live, and Cam says yeah. <laughs> it takes him a while to decide that, but he eventually gets there. I feel like I would be a little tongue-tied also if my butt had just gotten shot next to me. Yeah. Um, but Eddie instructs Cam to call his boss and say that he needs to do an on-site systems check at CTU headquarters. So Cam agrees, and we cut to commercial at ten twelve. We come back; it's ten sixteen. Um, so Michelle, uh, Dessler gives Tony a call from Eric Rayburn, uh, and Rayburn tells Tony as the ranking agent on site, uh, he needs to authorize a transfer of all of CTU's database about the nuke to the NSA server as a precautionary measure, but insists that Tony has to do it before 11 (laughs) a.m. This is such a dick move. Like, not only does he not want to warn them, but he's like, oh shit, I probably need some of that data though. Need that data, that good data. Also, why do um, they not have backups for CTU data already? Right, somewhere off-site. You'd think, I mean, I guess this was before Amazon Web Services. To, you know, <laughs> people didn't even know what the cloud was. So, like, I, I can see but it, But, like, just a whole room of zip drives or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am curious how Rayburn knows that they have to get it done, like, by 11 a.m., I don't know if he was just like spitballing a a a explosion time, but uh, I think Jack said it was within the hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jack told, told Lynn that it was within the hour. Yeah. She. I, okay. We never heard her tell Eric Rayburn. Is his that, name Eric? Eric Rayburn. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he. She probably told him something. That's fair. Um, so Tony says, "Well, we're not going to have enough time," and Eric just says, "Well, should probably get started then." <laughs> Which, again, guys. I don't think I like Eric. No. I don't think he's a good dude. No. No, he's an asshole. So I don't like any Rayburns, period. No thanks. Uh, so Tony hangs up and instructs Paula, the uh, Paula Schaefer, the IT tech, to uh, handle the transfer, just doing whatever it takes to get done. And Paula kind of hems and haws, but then just says, okay, uh, I need to go up to Mason's office to generate a new encryption code. So she runs up to Mason's office to start working. Very suspicious. Rich- very suspicious. She has to go get some special access codes? Mm. Just to generate a new encryption code. Mm-hmm. Which, hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very mole-like behavior, mm-hmm. if you ask this guy. But Y'all going mole hunting, huh? Already, <laughs> man. It's, it's time. Someone, they have to have a, uh, someone on the inside, I believe it. So Michelle asks Tony what's going on. Uh, she says, first the phones start dying, and then we get a request for all of our data. That can't be a coincidence. And Tony just says, I don't know, NSA says it's a precaution. And Michelle just says, yeah, but all the other agencies would have received the same order if, you know, if we did, if it's a precautionary measure. So Tony asks her to look into it. So she goes off to do that. 
Um, and we cut to a warehouse where George Mason is pulling up to two LAPD officers named Barber and Arroyo, who Barber had reported to lead. And we see a squad of other officers with some big guns, and the cops tell Mason that their captain had them stand down until he arrived. And he just kind of pats the guy on the shoulder, just like, relax, Sergeant, I want to be here even less than you want me here. Yeah. Mason's, like, dedication to, like, not giving a shit about his job, like, really inspires him. <laughs> it's like, basically, he's, like, office spacing this thing at this point. Yeah. What would you say you do here? <laughs> I would... me. I should be... I should be in D.C. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I don't know the fuck I'm still here, y'all. <laughs> so the cops cut the locks on the warehouse door, and George leads them into the warehouse. And as they're kind of silhouetted against the sun, we see a, sh- a silhouette with a gun kind of sweep by in front of the camera. Um, <laughs> Such a shady, like like a Walking Dead like zombie hidden in the warehouse. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if zombies carried guns like that, we'd all be fucked. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a bad zombie. Yeah, that's I don't a like very bad zombie. zombie. Much <laughs> harder. The worst to take kind down. of zombie. I mean, yeah, even the, I, the, that's the, above that's that's above World War Z zombies, right? They're just they're just running at mm-hmm. you. They, they run at you with a gun. Fuck, it's over, man. That's uh, similar to the the prison zombies in Walking Dead, like season three, the ones that are ah. fully armored in like riot gears. Like, how the yeah. fuck do I kill you, you piece of shit? <laughs> Not easily. Um, so. Tony, uh, sorry, Mason leads them into the dark warehouse, and they get pretty far in without getting harassed. And Mason sees a room with a you know a thin glowing like window. It's glowing green. It's the lab in which the terrorists were previously loading the radioactive powder into the bomb. He's following up a lead about a nuclear weapon possibly happening in Los Angeles. He sees, and a, sees a, room sees a weird green. glowing room, and then he look walks in, and there are there's a big sign that says radioactive material, and it still yep. takes him like a good like what two minutes to actually see well, the radioactive there material. There was also sign. a dead body. There was also a dead body in the room. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be a little distracted by that, but um, so as he sees the dead body, and just as he sees the radioactive material sign, what happens? Our shadowy zombie, gun zombie, uh, shoots at him, uh, shoots the guy next to him. George Mason uses that bro for cover as a little human shield. Shoots yeah, back. I was, uh, <laughs> I was a little, like, so that was Officer Barber. He got shot because he was right there. And, like, George kind of, like, grabs yeah. him, I think, yeah. is, like, kind of like, a, oh, I'm going to help you out, buddy. But then also, like, definitely uses him <laughs> definitely as a human uses. shield and falls into the lab. But yeah, they both um, fall into the lab. The guy keeps firing. He breaks the glass on the uh, the little, the cool glove the box thing. thing that they use yep. for the yep. uh, putting the radioactive material in. Um, finally, another cop comes around the corner and kills the, the zombie dude with a gun. But it's at that moment that our boy G-Mace realizes something, um, something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, he there's now gas in the room mm. uh, after the containment glass breaks, and uh, Mason sees the radioactive sign and tells everyone to get out of the building and call Hazmat to quarantine it. And just a little bit too late, he covers his mm. mouth. Um, yeah. So not feeling good about G. Mason's chances at the moment. Um, so we get a tiny clock. It is 1021, and uh, Kim and Megan are on a bus headed towards CTU. And this whole scene really... like. Curtis, I'm sure, just as a father, it really messed with you. But like, even for me, I was like, "This is just bad." Um, Megan asks Kim if her mother cries a lot, right? Oh and God, Kim just says, yeah. "I don't have a mom." 
Yeah, that's, which, that's, that's a weird yeah. thing to say too. Like, <laughs> no, like you have a mom. She's just not here anymore. Yeah. Like that's just yeah. a weird answer to begin with. To a nine-year-old. So <laughs> Kim explains that her mother passed away, but her, her father's still alive. And Megan goes, does, does she ask him if she makes her father mad, which is one super fucking sad. Yeah. Um, but also, if only you knew, yeah. small child. <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. Uh, but not 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 that her father is an asshole no. who then strikes her. Yeah. Uh, her father is a very patient mm. man who has a goddamn idiot for a daughter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the patience of a saint with who's, him. Who's, who's, thirst, who's thirst for stupidity and fucking up his day seems to remain unquenched. No. Yeah. Boundless. Probably until the day he dies. <laughs> I wonder if Jack is so good at killing because of just all the aggression and anger that he like can't unleash at Kim. It's just like, it's got to channel it somewhere and find me a... Oh, cool! A, pedo- a pedophile? Yeah. Like, shoot him in the chest and cut his head off. <laughs> Man, that made me feel good. Um, yeah. So Megan. So Kim says, "I do make my dad mad sometimes," and Megan says, "I always make my dad mad." And Kim explains that Gary's anger has nothing to do with her, and he's lying if he says otherwise. And she promises to never let Gary hurt Megan again, which seems like a pretty tall order. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they drive away on the bus and. It's now a tiny clock. It's 1023. Please take a drink. And uh, we see Cam Strocker's uh, phone company van pulling into the CTU loading dock, which people are getting around L.A. pretty quickly today. I'll say that. Um, I mean, you assume the te- the cell or the, the phone situation was fairly close near, to CTU? Nearby. Yeah, probably nearby. But to get, like, the whole, like, work order and all that shit, I don't know. Um, but so Strucker drives the van, the van into the parking garage. Um, he uh, Jack is in the front seat, uh, and Eddie and the crew are in the back, and Eddie has a gun to Cam's back, and he tells uh, tells Cam to tell the security guard that uh, he has a work order called in by their operations manager. And <laughs> like Jack's in the front seat driving into CTU, CTU where he works. Yeah, where he was, like, like this- he was, like, the head dude there. Yeah, at that off. And maybe this guy was new. Yeah, maybe this guy's new, but like Jack kind of keeps his head down. Um, but so Cam gives the guy the the work order and his ID, and the the guard goes off, and Eddie just tells Cam that he's doing a, f- a fine job, which Jack confirms. And the guard like walks to the back of the truck and just sees a whole bunch of dudes, and they're just like, "Well, it's a big job." Which, yeah. I, so I love that they're like scanning the bottom of the van for explosives with the mirror, right? Uh-huh. Like, I gotta find these explosives. Make sure they're not there. Huh. Van packed full of dudes with random wires and shit back here? Probably fine. We're okay. We're good. I think you guys are good. No no need to check here. The call never comes from inside the house. It should be fine. (laughs) They check the toolboxes also later and do about the same uh, thorough job that the Secret Service did at the, where they let the gun get into the fucking computer, in the computer. Yeah, I expected expected to see like some really super awesome hiding place that they had these explosives. (laughs) Nope. And it was just, it was just the top of the goddamn. I feel like the TSA does a better job at this mm-hmm. than these guys do, and and, and that's just especially ridiculous. on a day when you know there's an active terrorist threat. Mm-hmm. Like you think you'd be on your toes, you know? Not these guys. Keep your head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harding, the security guard, just lets them lets them through, and uh, as they're driving deeper into the garage, Cam tells them, "You know, this isn't a bank. I'm <laughs> here to steal." And Eddie just says, oh, we're not here to steal. We're fighting a war to retake our country. Yeah. 
and uh, friend- Cam asks, "That's a little too you? on the nose for 2017." Like, yeah, it was. Oh man, like, well, when was um, when was what uh, Oklahoma? When was uh, McVeigh? That was yeah, the 90s. That was like '96 okay. or something. Okay, yeah. So I mean, like, the thing is though, like in the '90s and like like late '80s, like white dudes were the terrorists in this country. Like you know, like it, all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but like white nationalists were a pretty serious threat to this country. I mean, statistically, they really still are in this country. But <laughs> like, they're trying to imply that Wald's crew is working with Second Wave, Second which wave. is a supposedly based in the Middle East, which I find hard to believe that some white nationalists are working with uh, presumably Middle don't. Eastern terrorist group? I actually don't. Really? Yeah, I think uh, ends justify the means and yeah, enemy, my enemy is my friend and all that shit. Yeah. Huh. yeah, they don't want this country, Michael. They just want to bomb L.A. And those people want to... You don't think that white nationalists want to bomb L.A.? They fucking hate I L.A. Guess, Hollywood, I guess terrorism, right? terrorism makes strange bedfellows, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, let's think about let's think about the the people yeah. who are marching this week in Tennessee, um, and then you take the the Muslim terrorist. Which one of those people likes Jewish folks? Ah, we can be friends. We all hate Israel. There it is. Common ground. Well, oh, you also like to blow stuff up. Neat. There, oh, so we got two things in common. Uh, Do you like beer? No. Oh, okay. No, there, okay. Well, all, all right. That, shit. More for me. Thanks, new friend. Um, so. Eddie asks Jack, uh, Cam asks who they are, and Eddie says, who are we, Jack? And Jack answers, we're patriots. And then he just kind of looks super highly uncomfortable, like, as he, like, looks away from Eddie and just, <laughs> I think he knows what's about to happen, is not not comfortable with it. And I, I, my notes just say fucking white guys in all caps, um, and we cut to commercial at 1025. Uh, we come back at 1030 um, to just the worst family I can imagine. Um so the Warners, who we didn't mention in the quick recap, but uh, Marie Warner is later this day getting married to Raison Ayer, an Iranian fellow, and her sister Kate uh, doesn't really trust his motivations, and she gets a phone call, Kate does, from Ralph Burton, the private investigator who she'd hired to look into Raison Ayer, um, and Marie brings her the phone and just knows that Kate has a gentleman caller uh, and wants to know more about him, and uh, they kind of go back and forth, and... Kate just grabs the phone and ignores all of Marie's questions. So, Curtis, and- last time, last episode, you said at the end that you weren't sure about these two, but you think that one of them is going to die. And this episode made me wish that both of them would immediately die. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. I'd actually be okay with a targeted nuclear strike on the Warner <laughs> just household. Just the Warner household. Like, right just, now. Yeah. You know, clear out all of the people who are setting up for this wedding because they don't have anything to do with this. But like everyone no, else, the gardener, die. he seemed cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah and this goes back yeah, to the, so this goes back to remember last uh, last season with uh, with uh, Dan or is it, yeah Dan and his brother. Uh, you know, uh, I have the same theory. I have the same theory Frank. about uh, these these two girls' father. He's either the the most patient, one most wonderful man in the world, or he is worse than the two of these women are. And I don't know which one it is yet because I haven't really we haven't seen seen much screen time. Mm-hmm. But I think when we the yeah. first time we saw Bob Warner, he was wearing a very loose fitting white linen shirt. So I bet sure. he's just a chill ass. Yeah, boy. he's he, he, he seems to be. Yeah. He seems to be. Um, yeah. Because yeah, well, just the two of them talking to each other would drive me fucking <laughs> insane. So I'm sure he's just like, 
Oh, the girls are back inside. Let me go ahead and grab myself a Tom Collins. <laughs> <laughs> he is a Tom Collins man. I can see that. Yeah. That man's having a Tom Collins or a Pim Cup. No yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> a Pim mm-hmm. Cup, no question at all. Sign me up. So uh, Kate grabs the phone and Ralph tells Kate that he checked the travel dates that she had stolen from Riz on a year's passport, which... He says a line here that I don't really... He just says, unfortunately, it confirms that Reza met with the terrorist financier, Syed Ali, which, no, that's not really how causality works. They were in the same country. Yeah. So, therefore, they, they met. Yeah. And he tells her that, well, I had to alert Homeland Security, so they're on their way to say hello to, to Reza. <laughs> oh, boy, Kate, um, you just ruined this wedding. Yeah. Which, Homeland Security was just now a thing. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, right? This is like 2000. This is like the end of 01. Like, they this would have been made well, it. I guess, yeah, this would have been end of 01. Yeah, mid year. So, yeah, they just they just made Homeland Security like in November of that year. So, man, they read the newspapers, <laughs> those 24 writers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, like you call them, they're like, wait, we got a terrorist alert in California. Fuck, is there something going on? You got no, we're good. Wait. Is that a nuke thing? We, oh, that okay. Shit. Fuck it. I don't we know. We just had 17 <laughs> agencies rolled into one. I don't right. really know what the chain of command is here, so I'm going to sit on this one. Apparently, the Secret Service is under the Homeland <laughs> Department of Homeland Security as well as the Coast Guard. I thought Secret Service is Treasury. Yep. Apparently, according to the yes. 24 Wikia, which is oh, wait, wait, wait. totally right so in all this, the time. In this world. Yeah. In yeah, this Secret world. Service, okay. Secret Service does, does, does do uh, financial crimes, uh, but, the, but the FBI, I think, does bank robberies, Yeah, which is cool. I think Secret uh, Service is for counterfeit money. They, they track that correct. shit down. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he tells her that Kate can absolutely not tell anyone about her knowledge of this connection. And Kate says, I have to warn my sister. I can't let her marry this guy. And he says, you're endangering yourself and your entire family if you reveal what you know. And as he says that, Reza, uh, Kate looks out the front window where Raysa has walked out and is greeting a family member warmly who is in town for the wedding. And she says, I understand. And she hangs up and Raysa and Marie walk in just as Kate is finishing the call. And they want her to come meet Raysa's cousin, Sanjit, who is in from Detroit and also went to Stanford University where Kate went. And Marie says he's very cute. And Kate gets very uncomfortable and just, like, throws a tantrum about, I don't want to go hang out with people. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then Marie chases after her and asks her what the deal is. And Kate's excuse is just, oh, God. I, I just, just love I, you too much. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, there's, there's, there's so many things she could have said there. Right, it could be like you know you're my little sister, and I'm I'm you know I'm sad to see you be you know married and taken away, and we won't see each other as much anymore. That's that's fine. There, there are things you could. I love you so yeah. much is the reason I'm acting shady and crying. Now. Like no, nope, uh uh-uh. uh, I'll trust you. No, you know what? All she could have been is like, no, I saw Sanjit get out of the car, and he has a fucking creep ass mustache. I don't want to get to know Sanjit. I don't care. He does not. He's not handsome. Sorry, no. There that's it is. He's from his. Detroit, dude. No, I mean, no thanks. The fuck. You know, you could have said that. That'd have been fine. Or I hated every guy I met at Stanford. Mm, yeah. You know, mm. or I th- maybe I, th- I think I made a game game of blowy at a party. <laughs> Who knows, man? <laughs> you know, I can't see that dick again. I just can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, and Did so, you know he's uncircumcised. Oh, son of a bitch. Covered, covered wagon. Um, <laughs> so Marie just says, well, if you want me to be happy or if you want to be happy for me, Kate, just be happy, and that will make me happy. Um, so we cut away from them to uh, the 
to the end to the end rock and uh jenny walks into the situation room and lynn sees her and demands to know why she hasn't heard from david palmer yet and jenny says well he's still interacting with the press but she did slip him a note and he'll address the situation as soon as he's able and we get a tiny clock it is 10 34 and uh yeah this is where ctu is checking eddie and crew into the building uh giving them Really not even a once-over. They just kind of look at their, their box of tools and just send them on in. And we see Jack back in the van, handwriting a note, uh, warning the CTU staff about what's going on. And Cam is in the back seat with both of his hands tied and his mouth duct tape. And as they walk in through the building, uh, one of them kind of branches off into a server room. And we see Eddie and another doofus kind of enter the main control room. And they pass Tony Almeida. And we cut to commercial at 1036. I have a bad feeling about CTU, guys. I don't. I don't think it's going to be great by the end mm-hmm. of this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they've let the old foxes in the hen house, and nobody's given him a second glance. Nope. So should be. Didn't they have Eddie's mugshot? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I thought Tony was going to recognize them. I mean, Eddie kind of kept his head down and he was walking through, but like, I I thought someone like was going to give him like a glance. They or clearly something. Haven't, no. haven't gotten that facial recognition software up and running yet. No. Especially, like, you'd think that Tony, Michelle, Paula were all investigating Walt's crew, like, today. Mm -hmm. They probably know about Eddie Grant (laughs) and, like, Chris and the other guy. Like, they should have their pictures up on, like, a screen. Especially because Jack pointed him out and was like, oh, that's Eddie Grant. I worked with him before. Yeah, like, you'd think someone would be like, hmm. Yeah. That face looks familiar, but nope, nothing. Hey, um, I found so, out. So, I was looking up the Department of Homeland Security, and did you know mm-hmm. that the Department of Homeland Security wasn't actually uh, established until November twenty fifth of two thousand two? Hmm. So, this is actually huh. what they're referring to is the Office of Homeland Security, which was established like right after the September eleventh attacks, but not the Department of Homeland Security yet. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the office was just was just all the dude like the the one dude who sat at a desk who they all yelled at about nine eleven. Yeah. It was Tom Ridge. <laughs> he was just he's like you're ahead you're the head of this. Uh, you're you're the assistant to the president for homeland security apparently. Um, Interesting. We think it was the Taliban. <laughs> all right, I write it down. Thanks. Bro. And uh, apparently taking a note of that. Apparently, the uh, Secret Service is underneath the Department of Homeland Security. Hmm. All right. Who knew? Uh, apparently, okay. a lot of things are underneath the Department of Homeland Security that don't seem like FEMA they should be. As well. To be honest, yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah. See, Homeland Security isn't like disaster recovery, but whatever, man. Do you? Yeah, live your life. And apparently, they they like ate the immigration and naturalization services, obviously, but also like just weird shit. FEMA, like, why is FEMA underneath Department of Homeland Security? I just said that. I know, but why? Yeah. <laughs> to fight the shoot at the hurricanes. <laughs> well, I mean, got, like, looks like got, like all the breakdown, right? Because the Department of Justice is like like the FBI is under that, but then the, I think the DOD is over NSA, and maybe and CIA is its own. I can't. It's all yeah. weird. I think CIA is its own. Yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah, it's nothing, nothing makes sense. <laughs> um, so it's ten forty one, and George Mason calls into CTU to brief Tony about what happened at the warehouse. He tells him about the explosion tells Tony that they found the lab where the bomb was packed and uh, there was definitely radioactivity, uh, radioactive material there. And Tony asks if anyone was exposed and Mason just kind of like looks up to the heavens and just kind of like sighs while he is removing his clothes for decontamination. And he tells Tony that he's just got to go through it as a precautionary measure, which 
I feel like Tony should be wary of those at this point. Um, I just love this whole scene where he's like on the phone to Tony trying to like clearly direct things while he's slowly undressing in front of four people wearing (laughs) hazmat suits. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. And like, like Mason just plays it really well. He's, he's just great in this whole scene. Um, so he tells Tony that there are three dead terrorists. He's going to send them photos to run through the system for facial recognition. And Tony lets him know about the request from the NSA to transfer all of their data. And he says, it feels like we're being kept out of the loop, which George assures him that it's just standard procedure. Uh, and they, they're asking every agency for this. And Tony tells him, in fact, that CTU is the only agency they've asked to transfer the data. And Mason tells him to call our good friend Ryan Chappelle uh, at Division to who can handle the situation. And then just abruptly ends the call when the hazmat team says, sir, I need all your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> gonna need to see I need, that. I need them draws. G May bring out that friend. G May says, uh, "Not even gonna buy me dinner." Which, and I guess Tony hears that, and he just asks if George is okay, and George just ends the call, <laughs> and then proceeds to be hosed down and scrubbed down for <laughs> decontamination per, per, per sorry purposes. And yeah, Mason just I don't know. He's he just like just a jokester, just, just like a jokester story. to the last. Yeah. So we cut to CTU where Michelle Dessler runs into Paula Schaefer in the restroom and Paula tells Michelle that the data transfer is in process and she looks a little worried. So Michelle asks how she's doing. <laughs> like Paula just says, well, I have friends and family in LA and I grew up here and all the people I grew up with are here. So what does that mean if the bomb goes off? Does that just mean everyone is going to die? She's like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone you love She dies. says That's... not necessarily, which is like, not particularly well, they, reassuring. They may, <laughs> no. they may not die immediately. <laughs> they could get cancer. They could right? get a form of wasting sickness that just eats up their insides for you know, months and months, and then they'll die a horrible death. <laughs> Nothing's guaranteed, Paul. <laughs> yes, but some of your childhood friends will be shadows on wall. Mm. That's yeah. just going to happen. All right? You can deal with it or not. Yeah, Paul, you actually, know? at this point, all you can do is pray for a quick death for them. That's actually And it. probably um, yourself as well. <laughs> so Michelle just is like, oh, you know, a lot goes into this, and who dies? It, uh, nothing. Could be, could be anybody. No, no big deal. Um, and she's just like, Paul, you're gonna be okay <laughs> after not reassuring her of anything. And Paul just kind of like, yeah. Um, so we cut to Eddie, Chris, and the other guy Scott, and they are kind of working, and we see that they set timers to explode in about um, 11 minutes and 50 seconds. And we cut back to the van where Jack is just now finishing his note, which it took him 11 minutes to write. Well, he had to, like, um, you know, he had to cross-reference maps and stuff. Did he? Yeah, he, he was looking... Yeah, he was going oh, to the schematics. Right. He was okay. looking at the schematics and showing them where all of the bombs were. The bombs yeah. were. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. He's not the a cartographer. He doesn't know this shit. That's true. <laughs> He's no Will Byers. <laughs> um, you are correct. Yeah. I still don't understand how they were able to put together that entire map it was just all the same fucking colors there's no way sean astin well no sean astin no he just figured it he just figured out what everything looked like they put it bullshit (laughs) not not buying also i'm not buying that sean astin isn't a child molester yeah just like in real life sean astin like in the show like like, he definitely is so creepy about him yeah like how did they write that character like, did they write him as a dude who was bullied and now lures children into a van? <laughs> yes. Or as someone who is supposed to be like, you know, like, you know, I understand it, but I'm just soft-spoken. And now no, I'm no, he's, kids. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't come across that way. 
you know, if I met this mm-hmm. dude who was just always talking about, you know, standing up for yeah. yourself and was really an expert at video cameras in the eighties, yeah. I'd have been like, you're not get, being alone with this guy ever. Yeah. And knowing like where all of the, where all of the lakes are. Right. Yeah. So dude dude is definitely, places. He's made snuff yeah. films, which is why he knows about the video cameras. And then like, oh yeah, I buried 19. Yeah, I know where all of the lakes are and how deep each one is. So nailed it. It's Welcome to Stranger Things of Our Lives. Also, also, I have this sweet members only jacket that I never take off. We're gonna have people who are really mad at us after this one because we have we do have some fan and some of them haven't watched the episode. <laughs> we haven't given anything away other than Sean Aston is ninety percent chance he's a child molester. Yeah, you call yourself Bob the Brain. Yeah, no, you're definitely that's a serial killer name yeah. I've ever heard. And of. for those of you who who don't know, Samwise Gamgee, aka Rudy, is in Stranger Things season two. Mm-hmm. If, for those of us as well as Paul Reiser looking really bad. Actually, I'm loving Paul but Reiser. But he looks terrible. Like, he's put on a couple LBs. <laughs> that's fine. No big deal. And also, also a, a new character who I thought season one that Steve um, embodied the <laughs> 80s for me. Nay, nay. Yeah, uh, this who guy. Is it Brad? Max's yes. brother. Or stepbrother. Holy shit. That dude is literally the 80s personified. Yeah, yeah it's, it is, it's it is incredible. Frightening. <laughs> I actually didn't think... Steve was really good this season. I didn't think I was going to like yeah. him as much. He's, yeah. he's really yeah, but good. Um, the man knows his strength. I love I love how... Oh, oh, sorry, you guys don't know. Maybe you don't know if you're not on the website. But he, he's found his happy place. And, and Curtis, it's, it's, God it's damn it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I looked up at at your screen when you were talking, and all I saw was David S. Pumpkins just yelling, "Any questions?" <laughs> Son of a bitch! God. Is there a problem? <laughs> Any you, questions? You, yes, are you, several. Are you sad? Good. Do no, you need a hanky? Anyway, pretty, <laughs> pretty happy about it. God, that was the perfect timing for that. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, Sean Aston is a child molester and back to the show. <laughs> real life Sean. Yes, real okay. Life Sean so, so um yeah, where even are we? Okay, so Jack finishes his note and he goes in the back of the van and unties Cam and instructs him, You need to hide under a van over there and then pass this note to Tony Almeida. And uh Cam doesn't really understand and Jack just says, I'm trying to stop this thing. I work for the government. Uh and when he says that Cam gets very upset that Jack let uh, his friend Danny get killed, yeah. um, and I, I, I can uh, understand why he'd be mad. But I'm just like, hey, guy, can maybe roll with this a little <laughs> bit. Like, this is the, the the government agent is trying to like one set you free and trying to like get you to save a building full of people. Hey, Jack doesn't um, ever tell him his name though. Like he yeah, should have just true. he should have said give say you're with Jack Bauer and. Give well, us a Tony. He, he's heard Cam's heard them call him Jack, which maybe he's just like some guy named Jack. <laughs> Probably Roush. Ever heard of Jack yeah. Roush? No, that guy. <laughs> um, so Cam kind of gets hostile and like kind of attacks Jack, and Jack just like tackles him by the face and uh, just kind of tells him what's going on. He says, "We're in a very dangerous situation, so get your ass under that van." <laughs> I don't have time for your shit, Cam. Yeah. Um, so he says, "You have to do this, or Eddie and these guys will kill you," and then. Everyone in that building will die as well. So um, Cam runs off, hides behind the van, and just as he jumps out, uh, we see Eddie and crew exit CTU and come back towards the van. I have a question. What does Jack do? I have a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. 
You get tied up in the back of a van after your buddy gets shot, point blank. Uh, the guy lets you go, and he says, what you need to do is to take this note into this office building. And he's like, okay, and then he gets froggy. Then Jack tells him, if he doesn't do this, they're going to blow up everyone in that building. And at no point does Cam go, wait, you want me to walk into the building that is about to be blowed up? And hand, yeah, I'm gonna find a and hand a note. <laughs> I bring you gentlemen back to our conversation last week <laughs> <The notebook. laughs> uh, about what I will teach my sons is the yeah. most important rule in life. And what is that? No. Nope. You always, you always <laughs> gotta leave a note. And, and Cam at that point should have left a note. Oh, yeah. I would have noped immediately. There would have I would, been have, a noped, can- I would have noped out of that garage, handed that thing to those, those yeah, security guards at the, the front, front of the garage, and be like, I'm, I'll yeah. see you guys later. Radio <laughs> this in. I'm not walking back in that nope. building. He just told me there's bombs in there. Yeah. I would have left a Michael Cushing shaped like dust cloud <laughs> and it just would have been gone. I'll like I'll mourn Danny later. He was a cool dude. Don't uh, yeah, but I'm gone. Um, yeah, I wonder. I like. I, like I, I guys, wonder if it just never. It never crossed. Game. It clearly never crossed Cam's mind that this was what he was being asked to do. It's also like Cam knows that it's the counterterrorism unit. He apparently has been there before. Mm. Just, you got to think like someone's blowing that up, the counterterrorism <laughs> unit. What else is happening in L.A. that yeah. day? I, I would have had more questions. But I was like, uh, should I leave town? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, there would have been a whole bunch of yeah. nope. Yeah. Like, like of, just a whole, like a nope out of California. Yeah. Just, you know what? I don't trust it anymore. A lot so. of layers of nope, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so Speaking of Jack's nopes. Eddie. Yeah. I watched It Follows this weekend while we were at nope. the, uh, the house. Can somebody explain to me why they don't just fly somewhere, like far away? Because it follows. But it just like, walks. It's yeah, still going to get there eventually. Yeah, but though. you just fly back like a... then. <laughs> like, they literally <laughs> only fly. drove, like, 20 miles away, and then it took, a, like, you know, a half a day to walk there. If they just, like, flew to, like, Europe, that thing would have to walk through the ocean. I mean, it's kind of like Jason just also walks, but also always catches up to every running teenager. I'm just saying, well, you just live on coast to coast, you just fly back and forth, it gets stuck somewhere in Oklahoma walking back and forth all the time, and it never catches you. No, the it's key is to, to to become the, the boyfriend of a porn star. Yeah. Bang her and then, and then make sure she goes to work the next day and then Or leave. live on a house. Like, you're all right. It's, no, yeah. Because it can't true. walk Any out boat, of the really. Yeah, that's strong. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, all right. Good. Sorry, go ahead. Houseboat. Um, yeah, so Jack sees him coming and he lays down in between the seats and slices <laughs> his head. Um, like WWE <laughs> style. <laughs> yeah, so he plays uh, plays possum in the back of the the back of the uh, the truck, and they realize that Jack's on the front seat and start freaking out, and they run to the van, and Eddie pulls him out of the back of the van and just like slaps him very <laughs> very hard times. in the head multiple times to wake him up, and uh, Jack just kind of like I don't know what's going on, and we see Cam hiding under the truck, and they want to know what's going on, and Jack just like sort of brushes off the fact that Cam escaped and that they just need to leave and basically blames it on Chris for not tying the guy up Mm -hmm. properly. Um, So Eddie just tells, hey, just get in the van. We'll figure this out later. So they're going to drive to a safe distance away before the bomb explodes in seven minutes. And once they've left, Cam leaves his hiding place to go deliver the note. And uh, who arrives at the front door of CTU just as Jack leaves? Cam and Lil' Kim. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
And Kim tells the guard that Tony Almeida is expecting her, and then assures Megan that they are safe and sound as the Super bomb timer ticks down. Super dupe safe. So we cut to commercial at 10.49, and we come back at 10.54. And the van drives off. We have four minutes left on the clock. Jack is making a wardrobe change. And uh, Chris is in the back back of the van complaining about Cam's escape, and Eddie just tells him to leave it alone. Um, so we cut to Lynn Kresge, at the NROC, and she's on the phone complaining that the press conference has ended, but she's still heard nothing from Palmer. And as she says that, she looks up and sees David walk in, uh, and she runs over to address him, and Eric Rayburn gets in, his, in her way. And Lynn realizes, you were the one who blocked the president from speaking to me. And Eric just says, I kept him away from a no-win situation. <laughs> and I spared him from a difficult decision. And Lynn just says, you weren't elected to make that decision. And she tries to go past him, and Rayburn grabs her arm. For the second time. For the, <laughs> second, For the second time, he time. grabs her arm. And she basically looks at him like, don't make me cut you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got Rayburn. Okay. You're the head of the NSA. Mm-hmm. Right. You have at least, when you get this news, at least 30 minutes to deploy a few minds of the NSA and an elite counterterrorism unit as to how they can pull off an explosion happening at their office while getting no mm-hmm. one killed. I, I, it boggles my mind. That you think it's a no-win situation. Well, fuck. You know? We gotta let all the people die. Yeah, it'd be... Otherwise, they're gonna yeah, know. It'd be great for the president if a lot of people died right now. Yeah, he says something in a minute that is just, like, <laughs> the most staggeringly shitty thing I've ever heard. Um, so, he he's before that we get to that, he says, don't do this, Lynn. You do not want me for an enemy. Which is like, yeah, I guess I don't want the head of the NSA yeah, as an I mean, enemy. Yeah, sounds sure. terrible. And that's just, correct. That is... I, but, I, yeah, that's the last person yeah. I want. And she says, are you threatening me? And he says, just giving you some very strong advice. And Palmer sees them sort of facing off, and he walks over to ask what's going on. And Lynn kind of looks at Eric and then just tells him that Jack called to say, Walt's crew is trying to blow up CTU with a non-nuclear strike as a secondary target. And Eric says, we were just arguing whether or not to inform CTU and possibly blow Jack's cover. If we stop Walt's crew, they may realize it was Bauer. So I had CTU transfer its files... So the only losses will be infrastructure and personnel. Yeah. And David <laughs> immediately just says, those losses are unacceptable. Contact CTU immediately. Yeah. And, oh. Can we also address the fact that Palmer was apparently addressing the press for literally 45 minutes? About Oregon's right. natural at, conservation at a, efforts? At a time when he is supposed to be like trying to figure out what to do about a nuclear weapon. Like... And has also kidnapped a member of yeah, the like crowd. Jesus fucking Christ, man, get yeah, over I mean, yourself. I know, I know he's trying to play it like like nothing's changed, and uh, you know wanted to keep up appearances, but like you're the fucking president of the United States and the nuclear threat. Like this is George Bush reading at like the kindergarten for you know an hour after night. Like go make like go talk. Yeah, to but people. instead of reading like the little goat book, he's reading like fucking War and Peace. <laughs> like just stop. Yeah. Say your yeah, shit and get back inside the Enrock. Gotta do for a new book, guys. Fucking, comma, war and peace. <laughs> That's, you know, it changes, it changes the game. It changes the whole side of the story. Like, everything's different. When you, do you want it to be in. just as long? <laughs> longer. It's be longer. A lot, a lot longer. No, that'd be, that'd be tantric <laughs> war and peace. If you, if you, if you, if you think, 
I can't be longer than Tolstoy. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> is this a deeply erotic novel? Yeah. <laughs> is it fucking comma war and peace or fucking war comma and peace? Mm, that that's, Oxford, a, that's totally that's, a book. Those are two different books. That Oxford <laughs> comma is actually very important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking comma war comma and peace. It's like all three no. things. No, you don't comma before an and. That's right? the Oxford comma. That's the Oxford comma. The oh, thing, yeah. The Shit. debate continues. I don't because I follow AP style. So You yeah. don't because you want to have dinner with the strippers. Don't. It's don't, it's a poorly constructed <laughs> sentence. It's a bad sentence. It's the dumbest example. Every uh, Anyway, before, before we get a lot of hate mail because, shit, you talk about the Oxford comma, you're going to get mail. I just commas are so way, cheap. Just throw one in there. Who the fuck cares? That's how we get. That's how we get the listeners, man. Fuck uh, the Oxford <laughs> comma. There, I said it. Come at me. Oh, am I the you only Oxford comma fan on this podcast? Goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. Yeah, you are fuckbag. Which actually is statistically most. I think it's sixty five thirty five. But why? It's just comma. just put it in there. It's it's commas shit. are cheap. No, you don't. They actually, were cheap. That's end. like the whole reason AP style doesn't. Yeah, use but the it is comma, now. We don't use the fucking. Uh, printing press anymore jesus you don't we don't need to we're not printing gutenberg bibles out here (laughs) it's a fucking keystroke it's the same as a space bar get over yourselves ap those things add up over the course of the day michael (laughs) do you want to go spaces over tabs here bro is that what you're no because spaces are stupid because you have to hit it four times instead of once thank you all right that's just dumb we're good we're fine that's good yeah um, <laughs> um, it's like so saying anyway, FAQ we, instead of fact. That's just fucking stupid. Yeah. One syllable versus yeah. three. Like, come on now. All right. Eat my whole ass. Um, so we you, cut. Do you actually say, scene. wait, oh, no, God. no, hold time the fuck out. Do you say FAQ? Yeah. Kush says FAQ. So you, you, you used to say we game FAQs and not FAQ. game facts like everybody else yeah. on the planet? I say game facts. I don't say game FAQs. But. Well, then, then why then, would then what? you use fact then? Because that's the name of the site. It's exactly. Because it's named after a fact. What the fuck? It's... <laughs> <laughs> Never really put that one together. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Boom. Damn. Thank you, Curtis. You just got, ha- you, you got hanged. <laughs> fuck you. Anyway, you just got back David S. Pumpkins. Pumpkins. Any questions? Yes. Several. Good okay, we cut back into CTU, and Michelle is telling Tony about Cam's note, and Tony immediately realizes that this is the whole reason why the NSA ordered the data transfer, and he orders an immediate evacuation just as he receives the phone call from Lynn Kresge, and uh, he's like, yeah, we just found out, and kind of yells at her for not informing him sooner, and she says, uh, hey, just hang up the phone and get the mm-hmm. fuck out. Um, so... As they're walking in, Kim and Megan are redirected outside of the building for the evacuation. And she's like, but I need to speak with Tony. And she's like, that's going to have to wait. Um, And we see Eddie's van driving off to a location where they can watch the explosion safely. And everyone's running out of the building. And uh, Tony uh, somehow sees Paula working up in Mason's office and rushes up to get her. And he has to literally pull her away from the computer to uh, leave the building. And we see Michelle Dessler's directing people out of the office, and uh, the bombs go way oh, off, yeah. and it, it's bad. It's very bad. It's actually kind of gruesome what they show. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, like especially especially at the end where they're like walking through the the parking garage. The yeah, like flipped over cars and shit. Like that was an intense explosion. 
Especially for three charges. It, I mean, I know really... it was like C12 or whatever the hell they were using, but like... <laughs> really kind of mad at Jack for telling him to adjust those fuses. You know, maybe... Maybe don't. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you fucked up. Maybe the fuses were a little tighter. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have killed your daughter and her little mm. friend. Um, so... <laughs> killed Kim. You're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. There was Sorry. a car about to flip over on top of her and she just went, No! Not today, yeah, car. No, no, no. Sorry. I forgot you, the bomb. Did you didn't... move my head, car? I don't think so. <laughs> I forgot the bomb didn't have a sword yeah. swinging at her. Um, so uh, we see a dust cloud rising in the middle of L.A., and Eddie's crew is high-fiving and congratulating themselves. And uh, at CTU, people are wandering through the debris, and we see Kim helping Megan along, pulling her uh, along the rubble, and Megan is crying very And badly. we see a random woman just fall out of the fall. sky? Yeah. <laughs> Just over a car? I don't know. She kind of splats. Yeah, it was, it's kind of weird. It's really, really pretty morbid. Uh, she got hit with a shock wave in science. Science happened. There it um, is. So, a uh, little factoid um, before we move on. Uh, so apparently, so uh, Tony's Cubs mug. Oh no! Uh, no. Well, they had decided that the mug was going to get exploded in this episode. It was going to die. Um, but apparently, in the scene, the mug flew up into the air and got caught in some wires in the ceiling and survived <laughs> when they were filming it, so they decided that Cubby, the mug, would, would live on. So it, so I guess, I guess, Carlos Bernard was carrying the mug in the scene because he had to save his mug yeah. from, in the evacuation, and he tossed it into the air, and instead of shattering, it was caught, so they just took that as a sign and kept mm. it forever. Mm. I mean, if you're a Cubs fan, you know what it was like. You'd never give up. Yep. You feel like it was almost you almost had given up in o, in 03 and 07. You're fuck it. I don't want. You know, but you could never shatter it. Nope. It found a way to live on within you. <laughs> it was in you. The Cubs mug was in you all along. The whole time. Yeah. So, so apparently, Cubby the, the mug has 27 uh, episode appearances, <laughs> which is several more than many actors in the main <laughs> cast of the show. Which is that's that's fine. So pretty great. One thing that I just thought about. So CTU is investigating a nuclear weapon about to be exploded in LA, right? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. trying to keep it real hush hush because they don't want mass hysteria and panic. We've been told multiple times. Yes, but they just let a civilian phone crew into CTU. Like, where they have things up on the screen and, like, people are talking about nuclear threats and shit with, like, out a second thought. And, like, they probably should have had Eddie and his crew up on the screen. Right. Like, their pictures. Yeah. 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 Huh. It's a little weird. Yeah. yeah. And Did you find a plot hole again? Damn Mario? it. Damn it. My head. <laughs> I mean, even the secret underground, like, DOD prison had a phone tech there. Like, they were sp- very specifically mentioned. It's like, yeah, we have three maintenance guys who, like, handle shit. Yeah. It's like, you think CT would have a phone tech on, on staff, mm. but apparently not. Um, so, Eric Rayburn gets a call and tells David Palmer that the attack on CTU was successful. And uh, Palmer looks pretty grim. Palmer looks like he and, wants uh, to rip Rayburn's fucking head off. Yeah. Which, I think he probably mm-hmm. should. Um, so, we cut to a hazmat tech. Uh, apparently a doctor... Telling George Mason uh, that you're clean, but he does not look like he's delivering good news. And uh, Mason says, uh, well, that's good. Why the grim face? And uh, the doctor informs 
George, that he has inhaled a lethal dose of plutonium. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has between a day and a week to live. And he walks away, tells Mason that he's sorry. And Mason just kind of turns his head. And we cut to 10.59 and 59 seconds. Yeah. Fuck. You know what DJ Khaled would tell G Maze? Congrats. Please. You nuked yourself. Nuked yourself. Nuked yourself. Technically, Zombie Gunboy nuked him, but again, Mason's like wasn't even supposed to be there no. today. He could have just stayed in the blast radius, and then he could have died a, a noble, uh, explosive death. But instead, he's going to die a very sad, slow, and painful, cowardly death. But to, so to be fair, he he saved himself from gunfire uh, to take out that terrorist. Wait a minute. I don't think he even took the terrorist nope, out. Never no, mind. he didn't. He uh, just fell he, in there. He, he just did fell fire over. his gun a lot, yeah. though. He shot he fired. He, fired he used it. another man as a human oh. shield, so that was pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty important to draw fire so someone else can yeah. shoot mm-hmm. the guy dead. Right. So DJ Khaled would tell him, my favorite DJ Khaled say, Yo, Mason, you smart. <laughs> you very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not human, feeling too good about Human shield. Smarts right I'm now. just saying <laughs> that... That George Mason is, I think we're seeing the consequences of Nope here. Yeah, karma. You don't always karma will come and get you. You can't always Nope cleanly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you don't. You don't Nope when you've signed up for a job that requires you to not Nope, <laughs> right? Like, like when you've said that you have the skills and the bravery to counter terrorism yeah. in America, you can't Nope out of terrorism in the city you're covering it for. Literally, I mean that's a good point. That's desertion. Like, you can't be like, I'm gonna sign up for the, I'm gonna sign up for the army and go to war in Afghanistan. Oh, I'm in Afghanistan. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I can't stand it. That you, 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 you no, you, that's no more. That's not noping anymore. You're just deserted. Saying you're just, you're just like, I've made a huge mistake. I'm gonna nope. That's oh. fine, but that's not noping. <laughs> gonna need a that's that's deserting. Note. That's cowardice. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, you can't uh-huh. do that. I mean, it's nope not it. super confirmed that Mason was definitely. Deserted. That's true. Like, he, he maybe was, was on his way to Bakersfield. Yeah. Bullshit. I mean that that might have happened off camera, but like he was definitely on his way to Bakersfield to do work, but also get out of the blast. Yes, I mean he wasn't just completely deserting; he was just reappropriating personnel so that he would be somewhere else. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah. let me I'll, here. I'll define a noble situation for you. If you can picture a black woman in a movie theater saying, "Ooh, he should leave," <laughs> then you need to know by that situation. <laughs> Like that's it. Like don't don't ever stay. And that's it. Like if you, if you can think to yourself that some black woman that you know would would be like mad at you at a movie, you got to get out of there. You shouldn't be there anymore. Sure. Like yeah, if if like if your child is in danger, you got to go save that kid, man. Even if there's like a crazy clown going after it, you got to do it. That's your job. But if you just see a like a clown appear in your house, no, get the fuck yeah. out. Like there's you're not fighting it. You don't need to do no. If it's just you and the clown, nope, no. <laughs> it's immediate. Though. I mean, it depends on how close he is to the kid, really. Like, if he's like already got the kid, no, I'm out. No, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm going after the kid. Come on, man. I mean, I'll fight a gator for my kid. You know, fight a grizzly bear for my kid. Is that gonna suck? You say oh, for, yeah. you say yeah, my is. kid or a kid? Your kid, right? Okay. Oh, not a yeah, kid. No, not that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> even as a, even as a father, like here's the thing. So I took my son to the zoo a couple weeks ago, and um, they actually so we saw two grizzly bears, and you see how big they are. And it's like son of a bitch, that's big. And then we go to the next exhibit, and it's polar bear, mm. and they had given the polar bear a piece of meat, mm. 
Um, and while when you see a polar bear normally in a zoo, it's all majestic and swimming, and you think it's cute and adorable. Um, when it's eating, you get to see how big it is and its teeth. And there is no situation outside of my own child or wife being caught with that bear that I risk anything. Nope, I'm not going. Nope, my kid's in there. Shit, man, that, that's a tough. You one. know, mm. that's that's tough. Yeah, that's, I can't imagine where you're at right now mentally. Get in there. Oh, I would. <laughs> Yeah. But I got a bad quad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't hop this fence right now. Also, also, there's a bear in there. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that or not, but yeah, like a so, man-eating nope. bear. <laughs> like he will hunt me for sport. And, and, hey, and you know what? Now he's got a taste for human blood, and I can't really risk that. I, my back again. You know, it, it is tweaked. I tweaked it pretty bad. So I'm just gonna. There's go. a, there's a, that's a that's a whole that's a whole heap of nope. <sighs> um, but Mason. As his job is, even though he hates his fucking job and wants to go to D.C., you can't know about a terrorism when you're the counterterrorism director. Sorry, man. The thing is, you can give orders from afar. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> no, no. He's just working from home. Son. We've all done it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you gotta work from home. Yeah, I don't really have any direct reports, though. <laughs> he, he does. Well, it's, like, funny. You guys ever realize, like, in every, like, disaster or zombie movie, for some reason, like, the president will never live. Outside of Independence Day, but the VP might survive it mm. for some stupid reasons. Like the vice, oh, we got to make sure this guy's safe. But this guy's got to go president <laughs> all day long. Yeah. So, go and do it. The zombies are coming. Oh, uh, you know. Gotta. Actually, Air Force One, Harrison Ford survives, and again, Eric Rayburn was there trying to be a mm-hmm. dick too. That guy should not he be makes. allowed near presidents. Rayburn, he's got a bad track record. Or or um, babies. So yeah. Or babies. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, we're so we're, off topic. It's We're great. coming up on the 11 a.m. hour. Uh, the witching so CTU, hour. Obviously, <laughs> the witching hour. So CTU obviously out of play. G-Mace likely out of play. Um, yeah, so He's got at least a day. He's got shit to do. At least a day. Between a day and a week. Um, which, I guess, time to get your affairs in order. Um, yeah, so I guess... I'm not sure where we go from here. I know Jack is probably on his way back to Joseph Wald's crew and hopefully to the second wave terrorism units. But, I'm so um, very disappointed in the terrorists. So far? Well, they just, I mean, anyone who's ever worked in a shop before, like, you got to clean up after yourself. You don't just leave that shit laying out. Yeah, hey, you leave a big green fucking room. Yeah, like behind. at Chem Lab, if I did that, you fail immediately. If you just leave like hydrochloric <laughs> acid just sitting out waiting for people to like trip over it. A lot of forensic material left yeah. behind, for sure. Like you think they would have cleaned I mean, that shit up did... so that they wouldn't be traced back to them? Like, oh hey, it's a shit well, ton of plutonium. I mean, they left they left a zombie with an automatic weapon behind. Hey guys, also to stop people, Michael. So. You know what's pretty good at erasing all signs of uh, criminal activity? A nuclear explosion. Mm. Yeah, so that's a good point. Just kind of. Yeah, they figured they'd dot their eyes and cross their teeth <laughs> later in the day. Well, but see, but now, but now they've given you at least the zone because if it's gonna wipe it out. It's got to be within what two, three miles true. of the blast. So there you go. Where are you gonna drop yeah. it? Now we know where you're gonna where you're gonna. Blow well, now it. that we have Boom. this radius, it will only take Milo approximately four days to figure it out. <laughs> Track that call. No, yeah, no problem. He's got this. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, I mean I. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to think through for the next episode. Um, yeah, Curtis, where do you think we're going? Because I clearly have no idea. Oh, oh, God damn it. Why? It's just, there's so Because here's the thing. I know it's going to involve Kim, and that makes me sad. Um, but, so, uh, Rayburn's going to get a little bit of an ass chewing, but he might do something shady. Rayburn feels hurt right now. 
Um, lash so out. So, so who, who knows injured. if he like goes and talks to the fucking reporter they have illegally detained? Which, by the way, don't do that, kids. Don't, don't talk, detain talk to illegally report detained. Uh, sorry, I can't. That's not. talk to reporters <laughs> who are detained illegally or don't don't detain uh, reporters it, yeah. illegally. Don't, do don't talk to them either. Uh, I think we might meet uh, Messerwald, mm-hmm. and he might have a talking to to give to Jack. Um, I don't think that Chris will ever trust Jack, which is good. Uh, but Eddie's gonna be like, yeah, we did it. We blew the fucking button. Bro, all right, bro. Um, Patriots. Um, and I think, I think we're gonna see, we're gonna find out that somebody uh, died. Yeah, I'll say, how many, how many in, people uh, in our crew? How many people do you think we lost in CTU? Tony, Tony alive. Tony alive. Um, ah, fuck. Like of the three ladies that we met at the beginning, the new ladies in CTU office, I think, I think we're losing two. Uh, so between, you think Michelle and Paula are both dead, or who was the other one? Who was the assistant? The other uh, Mason's assistant, Rebecca. Rebecca. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she was from her. last season. No, not Rebecca. No, no. There was another. We had, we had another new lady this season though too, as well. The first episode. I can't remember her name though, and that makes me sad. Um, but so she's probably definitely. We're dead. gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So okay. Yeah, I mean, they were there were definitely some casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from that attack, so yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think the next couple hours should be pretty interesting. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how Mason sort of copes with his uh, impending death. Uh, he obviously just got a death sentence. Um, I'm curious if he goes back to work or like if they just show him tidying up his personal affairs for the next like you know, 22 hours. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm gonna call it? I'm gonna call it Paula dead. Paula Sarah dead. Gilbert's Sarah Gilbert's way more expensive than that other lady is. So probably probably Paula Rico dead. Aylesworth. That's her name. Cool. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like she's going to die. Um, okay, cool, fellas. Yeah, well, I'm excited about this. Uh, obviously, uh, CTU kind of being out of the fight definitely changes the uh, the math for old yeah, Jack Yeah, man, Bauer who here. does Jack call? Who opens the socket mm. for him? Certainly not Paula. She's dead. Um, yeah, well, I guess he'll, he'll call the president because yeah. he's got that number. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, fellas, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can find out more uh, about the show at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, I will be putting up a blog post for last week's episode uh, with Jack kind of surfing around uh, the set on a dolly. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or want to want us to talk about something on the show, you can email us at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com, which we mentioned earlier, if you want to start a fight about the Oxford comma. Come at us. Come right <laughs> bring, bring it. Bring it. Bring it all day. I will I will write back with minimal commas. Um, yeah, so if you like the show, you know, follow us there. Um, you can also listen to our sister show, uh, Trends in Low Places, which Michael and I do. We talk about dumb internet stories. Uh, both of those shows usually come out every Thursday. Uh, we're, <laughs> we had a, a bit of a mix-up this week on this show. So, yeah, look for us on Thursday. And, uh, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, guys, if you want to, go ahead and uh, subscribe to both of our podcasts on your podcast app of choice, uh, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, search for uh, Long Stays of Our Lives or Trends in Low Places and subscribe to us. When you do that, um, please review, rate, um, and leave a comment uh, for us because that helps us move, move the charts um, and become a podcast juggernaut and bring this craziness and wackiness of, of two to three doofy talking to you about uh, <laughs> stupid shit uh, every week uh, and, and, and uh, for free. And that's uh, that's what we want to keep doing. So uh, let's do that. And Michael, how can the folks help us and find us on the old social medias? 
Yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at uh, LDuelCast. Um, and then you can also find us on Instagram. Nope, I lied about that. I don't think you can find us on Instagram. Just till. Oh, yeah. MTILPCast. Um, I, I yeah. put a nice picture of my. My dog-like creature <laughs> trying to get out of the covers recently, which <laughs> that was which cute. was a, which was a hit. So um, I'll start a gram for this thing eventually. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, so yeah, if you when you uh, see us post something on um, on one of those sites, uh, if you could share it or retweet it, uh, you know that's the best way for you to um, easily share us with uh, with other friends you might have that might like uh, might like us talking about twenty four, um, and even if you haven't seen the show. We've heard a couple people say that they've never seen the show. They don't watch it. They don't care to. Um, but they like what we have to say about it. So, uh, yeah, even if you don't want to, you know, you don't. You, we're in peak TV right now. It's it's hard to go back and watch an old show. Uh, we get it. We get but, it. But um, you don't need to. Kush does a great job of walking you through it. You, you, you feel it. You feel it in your bones. Yeah. You don't need to see it. I try to paint a picture with my mm-hmm. words. It's visceral, yeah. y'all. You just you just you just gonna feel it in your gut <laughs> when you hear when you hear three assholes talking about a show that hasn't been on TV for seven years. You're just like fuck. I get it. I can taste it. I can feel the you energy know? coursing through me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you get that and you understand why a man like Kieran Sutherland jumped into a Christmas tree because he's a goddamn <laughs> he's a pirate. Fucking pirate man. <laughs> and he's Jack Bauer. Yes. Well, I am Michael Cushing, and you two are my best. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Guys, love, love you. Too. Thanks so much for joining us. Fellas, we're running out of time. Toodles. <laughs>